Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Hey, welcome, everybody. All right, today we're talking about toxic guilt and shame. And this is something that affects almost everybody's life. Most people, as they were raised as children, especially from uh, Asian uh, cultures, a lot of guilt and shame. A lot of guilt and shame is involved in raising children and and teaching them things and trying to uh, prevent them from doing things. And guilt and shame can turn into a very toxic situation for anyone uh, as they move into their adult life. And a lot of people don't know what the difference between uh, guilt and shame is, and they look at those as interchangeable, but from a psychological perspective, they actually refer to different experiences, like guilt and shame. Time Sometimes they go in hand in hand, and the same action may give rise to the feelings of both shame and guilt, where the former uh, guilt reflects how we feel about ourselves, and the, the other shame involves the awareness that our actions have injured someone else. In other words, shame relates to self, guilt relates to others, and I think it's useful to really uh, understand the distinction, even though the dictionary definitions often blur it, you know, like a, a dictionary, a definition of guilt is a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense, a crime, a wrong, whether real or imagined. And then shame is a painful feeling arising from the consciousness of something dishonorable, improper, ridiculous, or done by yourself or, or some other person. You know, and, and that according to dictionary.com, then guilt involves the awareness of having done something wrong. And so it arises, it comes out of our actions, even if it might be uh, one that occurs in fantasy. Uh, and believe me, I've had people that have had fantasies that are extremely absurd, and they communicate those family those uh, those fantasies. And some people take that as if it's a reality, and then they throw that back on them using guilt and shame. You know, shame may result uh, from the awareness of guilt, but but apparently it's not the same thing as guilt. You know, it's a painful feeling about how we appear to other people and to ourselves. And it doesn't necessarily depend on our having done anything. And I, I find this a little confusing, but an example might help. And the antidote... Uh, 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 of, uh, you know, if I said something hurtful at a dinner party on some level, did I intend it to be hurtful? And afterward, I felt guilty because I could see that it hurt a friend or whatever at the dinner party. And, and more painfully, I also felt ashamed that I was the sort of person who would behave that way. So guilt arise from a result of inflicting pain on someone and then shame in relation to what I did. And so when shame is especially out there and, and, and takes over, it usually precludes feelings of genuine concern and guilt from developing. So the sense of being damaged is so powerful and painful that it crowds out the feeling for anyone else. And in those cases, the idealization often comes to play. So other people are then viewed as perfect, the lucky ones who have to deal sh with a shame-free life, who, who crave 
powerful envy, maybe the unconscious result of these other people because they're no longer, they're not damaged goods like you are. And so people who live in shame often have a very difficult time progressing and taking leaps of faith in life, having trust in themselves, doing great things because they feel shame because in some area of their life, they did not perform uh, 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 what what they find to be acceptable in other people's eyes. You know, uh, in other words, core shame reflects really early psychological damage that impedes a person's growth. And so the capacity to feel guilt depends on what the psychological growth could have been seen as emotional progress. So it, I know this is a lot of jibber-jabber, but if the, if the early environment is good enough, we develop reliable sense of self that in turn enables us to view other people as separate and to feel connected and concerned for them. Although the experience of guilt is painful, our ability to recognize that our own actions may have hurt someone to empathize, you know, to, to empathize with a person's pain and to feel remorse for having caused it are all signs of emotional health. You know, I, <laughs> There's a lot of research that, that maintain that shame and guilt are distinct emotions, but the debate on their differences is still open. And so I'm going back and forth on these things, but I'm trying to break them out in a way that you humanly understand them. Because these things carried into our adult life, guilt and shame, become who we are if we let them run free. And that cannot be. We have to hang our head high, forgive ourselves Examine our intentions. Did we really intend to, if you, let's say, had an affair, did you intend to hurt your wife? Was it really intended to make her feel bad or, or were you just being a selfish oaf? You know, or, you know, if you spent money uh, on something that you didn't tell your husband about. And, uh, you know, did you really intend to hurt the finances of the home or you, did you just not have the ability to manage your impulses or your depression? And, and we're trying to find comfort in something. You know, it, those things can really take over our lives, especially if we start to feed them and try to make them feel better by drinking, by taking drugs, by doing whatever to avoid those awful feelings that we live with. And then we feel like a fraud if we don't feel guilt and shame. And so a lot of people uh, go back and forth on this. And there needs to be a balance. Guilt and shame really are not a very loving emotions. Guilt and shame call for forgiveness. Guilt and shame call for humbleness. Guilt and shame call for humanness. Guilt and shame call for uh, uh, kindness and empathy. Because if people live in those worlds, uh, they have a very hard time prospering and growing and becoming a rugged individual in this life. And generally, people have a strong desire to remain affiliated with other people. And that affiliation can often times be measured by guilt and shame. And that stems from our evolution of depending on others for our physical and emotional needs. Belonging to a group increases our likelihood of our survival. So we often uh, uh, <laughs> make ourselves into something that increases our value and accepts uh, uh, and is accepted easily by other people. And the means of maintaining attachments is to have other people possess positive feelings, beliefs regarding us. However, to do so effectively, we also need to hold such positive emotions and thoughts about ourselves. And that's the whole thing. Some people view themselves 
in the imaginary light of how other people see them. If you've got a nagging, horrible sp- uh, spouse that just talks negatively to you, let's say, you're going to have a hard time having good self-esteem because you're seeing yourself through that spouse's eyes. But if you divorce yourself from their perspective and say, sorry, you feel that way, you know, basically you're understanding in a healthy way that whatever they think is only their reality, not your reality, and no one else's reality. You know, these two emotions, guilt and shame, uh, can impact in, uh, our favor with other people as well as our own self-concept, our own self-esteem, our own self-love. Self-love is learning how to say no to things that hurt you. And these are powerful emotions that could be experienced when, uh, as individuals, uh if we commit an unacceptable act. For those who have those kind of reactions, pro-social behavior is often promoted. And so society manages people based on guilt and shame, often in crowds, often in uh, manipulation, often in the media, by the way, uh, also in politics, in, in the office, at home, raising children, having a spouse, all of these tools, these guilt and shame things, we need to be aware of how they're done. Now, the similarities of guilt and shame is basically stemming from the failures or, or bad things that we've done. And they really, the, the, the thing that's similar to them is they require social connectedness that can either hinder or promote positive interpersonal relationships. And so they, they, these two emotions, guilt and shame, they also require self-reflection and acceptance that one can be flawed, acceptance of responsibility for our wrongdoings. And the differences, now the differences are really important. Guilt arises from doing a bad thing, whereas shame impacts your self-perception. Like, let's just say I'm a bad person. You know, guilt derives from a belief that one has performed physical, emotional harm on other people, whereas shame is a negative reaction derived from others knowing the individual did something wrong. So shame may be more impactful emotion than guilt because it affects your identity, whereas uh, at least coming from other people, whereas um, guilt affects your behavior. And so feelings of guilt are, are, a, pro- are, a, prop, are a prompt for behavioral responses to make amends, such as asking for forgiveness, being empathetic, engaging reparative actions to reinforce social connectedness. Now, how do we get back to being trusted? And that's something that I've talked about in many shows, but the basic element of learning how to get trust back is asking people to have faith in you, that you have learned something from your mistake, Please, I need you, and I know you can't trust me, but I need you to have faith in me that I've learned something and things can change. And when you're able to do that, you can walk away from guilt and shame. You know, shame is associated with your sense of self in a really bad way. If your identity is important to you, the experience of shame can be more distressful and painful than feelings of guilt. It means you have less of a a group of people that support you. You have less people that think of highly of you in your mind. And so, you know, it's been proposed that there are two important factors that relate to how guilt and shame can be positively addressed. If an individual believes that their self is is, is a, a, a person that is gray, not black and white, they're more likely to engage in reparative behaviors, such as taking responsibility, 
uh, for committing something harmful, being motivated to change in a positive way. Moreover, by receiving acceptance, understanding, compassion from other people, the person can now accept their own failures and be compassionate. However, if we can learn, you know, it's not what we do. It's really not what we do that's important. It's how we respond. It's it's how we respond. And, 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 and so when somebody does something to you, it's really important to really think for a moment and go, how should I respond to this? Rather than just going off the cuff and causing a lot of damage, maybe you should be a little more thoughtful. Maybe you should take the time to be wise and respond in a way that you would be proud of. You know, it's very important for us to be compassionate with people making mistakes because we are all flawed. You know, a lot of research has found that early shame and a lack of feeling safe and loved as a child can be traumatic. And it can affect your identity and your relationships. So those experiences may carry over into adult uh, uh, generating symptoms of depression. Uh, moreover, uh, people may not only view their sense of self as being inferior and worthless or flawed coming from their childhood with mommy and daddy using guilt and shame as their parenting tools, but they may believe that others see them the same way. And so they respond in school the way to kids, the way their mom and dad have talked to them. And so they see themselves in the light and the way their mom and dad see them, and they may put other kids ahead of them. They may find themselves feeling insecure and unacceptable by other people, and that can be grossly dangerous in their ability to be able to form their character, to be able to be confident, to be able to not have anxiety, to be able to not have depression, and to have healthy relationships with other kids. So mom and dad, back off on the guilt and shame. Be more understanding. You know, encouraging the belief that your own identity can be changed. Develop characteristics and abilities that promote treating yourself with kindness, with warmth and compassion, and discouraging avoidance by encouraging the person not only to approach those who were affected by the, the shameful act, but also not to avoid your own painful feelings of shame. Admit it. You know, encouraging the belief that repair of the wrongdoing may not only make it up to those who offended, but also may restore a social trust that you never had before, or it was not as strong as it is now. And it's important to remember that bad behavior does not always equate to a bad person. Intentions, intentions, intentions. We all perform misdeeds and can feel bad about doing those. But the essential issue is to recognize what we've done Make amends, learn from our experiences so that we refrain from repeating those harms. And then self-forgiveness is key to moving beyond guilt and shame. You know, put on a piece of paper, I fear, I feel guilty that I did, or I feel shame that I did. And then say, my intention was, on the other side, my intention was, blah. Now we begin to discuss the intention, rather beat on the negative event that took place. You know, encourage the belief of repair. That is what we all should do. And it's important to remember that that uh, uh, we make amends, we take responsibility, we learn from our experiences so that we refrain from repeating those harms. So, you know, move beyond the guilt and shame. In addition, have a sense of who we are, how we wish to perceive by, by others, how we want to be seen. That can help maintain pro-social behavior and interpersonal relationships. Guilt and shame serve as emotional, cognitive, 
behavioral triggers signaling the need for realignment, that something's wrong. You know, we feel shame when we violate the social norms that we believe in. And in those moments, we feel humiliated. We feel exposed. We feel small. We feel like we're unable to look another person straight in the eye. And we want to sink to the ground and just disappear. You know, shame makes us direct our focus inward, view our entire self in a negative light. And so those feelings of guilt, in contrast, result from a concrete action for which we accept responsibility. So guilt causes us to focus our attention on the feelings of others. You know, to tell you the truth, just by research, women are quicker to feel humiliated than men. And adolescents feel shame more intensely than adults do. So as a result, women and adolescents are more susceptible to negative effects of shame, such as low self-esteem and depression. And we have all felt shame at one time or another. Maybe we were teased for mispronouncing a word or how we looked at a, 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 in a bathing suit or, or perhaps a loved one witnessed us telling a lie. You know, shame is the uncomfortable sensation that we feel in the pit of our stomach when it seems we have no safe haven from the judging gaze of other people. We feel small and bad about ourselves. We wish we could vanish. Although shame is a universal emotion, how it affects mental health and behavior is not really self-evident. There is no true research to help us understand it, but researchers have made a lot of progress in addressing that. And so, you know, it's important for us as people to get our arms around guilt and shame and its toxicity. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? 
The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about toxic, and I repeat the word toxic, guilt and shame. You know, it's been speculated that humans feel shame because it, it, it conferred some kind of emotional adva- or evolutionary advantage in our early ancestors. You know, for instance, it, it can potentially promote a group's well-being by encouraging people to adhere to social conventions and work to stay in others' good graces. And that's what culture does. Oftentimes, our cultures will guilt and shame us into conforming to our culture. If, if we come from a different you know, country, if we come from a village, if we come from a place that speaks a different language, if we come from you know, a different color of skin, whatever that is, those cultures, oftentimes their most powerful tools is to guilt and shame you into conforming as if that's, a, that's something that makes you into an individual. It actually takes from you as an individual. And many times a culture can cause prejudice. And so we have to be very careful about the use of guilt and shame because that is the mechanism that keeps us apart when we are culturally different than other people. We have to be very careful about that if we're going to globalize as people and try to be non-prejudicial in the way we see the world. You know, we have to understand diversity as, as diversity is, but we have to also understand that guilt and shame are the underpin underneath all cultures and all behaviors that are trained by two children who don't know any better by adults. You know, others argue that shame reduces your tendency to behave in a socially constructive way. You know, it's like a cousin of guilt that but promotes socially adaptive behavior. So people then speak of shame and guilt as if they were the same, but they're not. You know, shame, and we talked about this earlier, shame and guilt occurs when transgressions like moral transgressions, ethical, religious norms have been violated. Uh, We criticize ourselves for it. But the difference is that when we feel shame, we view ourselves in a negative light. I did something bad. Whereas when we feel guilt, we view a particular action negatively. I did something terrible. So we feel guilty because our actions affected someone else and we feel responsible. So a shame-prone person who is reprimanded for being late for work after a night of heavy drinking might uh, uh, be likely to think, I'm such a loser. I just can't get it together. Whereas a guilt-prone individual be more likely to think, well, I feel badly for showing up late. Uh, I I uh, inconvenienced my coworkers, and so those feelings of shame can be painful and debilitating, affecting your core sense of yourself, and it may invoke a self-defeating cycle of negative uh, affect after that. So, in comparison, feelings of guilt, though painful, are less disabling than shame and are likely to motivate the person in a positive direction towards reparation for change. So, further, guilt is a sign that a person can actually be Empathetic. What a great trait. That trait is important for your ability to take someone else's perspective. And some people in this world are actually incapable of empathy. And that's called narcissism. And, uh, you know, and borderlines and all kinds of crazy personality disorders. But, you know, to behave 
altruistically and to have close and caring uh, relationships is what empathy is all about. And that means we, we can feel a sense of guilt only if we can put ourselves in another person's shoes, recognize that our action caused pain, was injurious to another person. And we need to do that for our kids. When we are overbearing, do things wrong, say things wrong, and, and, and it affects our children, we need to come back and call for that and, 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 and repair that relationship. You know, in, in general, uh, true of young children, people who are unable to empathize cannot feel guilt. And guilt holds us back from harming other people. And it's a really, it can be a very good tool from harming, from, from holding us back. If we have, uh, if we do it because we're wise, that would be even better. Unfortunately, some people have to resort to guilt uh, to, to stop themselves from harming other people. It also, guilt encourages us to form relationships for the common good rather than our own culture. And that culture may be just your family, you know, but but when we feel guilty, we turn our gaze outward and seek strategies to reverse the harm that we've done. And so when we feel ashamed, we turn our attention inward, focusing mainly on the emotions rolling, you know, within us and attending less to what is going on around us. There was there was a study and it, it really clearly associates guilt and empathy and this was done uh, back in 2015, Matt Treby at the, at the La Trobe University in Melbourne, Australia, and his colleagues, they, 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 they really examined the extent to which test subjects uh, tended towards shame or guilt. Then they had 363 participants look at facial expressions and determine whether the person was angry, sad, happy, fearful, disgusted, or ashamed. Guilt-prone volunteers proved to be more accurate in their observations, they were better able to recognize the emotions of others than the shame-prone volunteers. And, uh, of course, guilt and shame often occurs together to some extent, but guilt can trigger a sense of shame in many people because of the discrepancy between the standard to which they hold themselves and the action that caused the guilt. So the connection between guilt and shame grows stronger with an increase in the intentionality of our misbehavior. So a number of people who witness it, the importance of those people uh, uh, to us, shame will also increase if the person who has harmed us by our action rejects or rebukes us. And this leads me to the point that there are lots of people in this world who are lazy and all they wish to do is view the world, everything through black and white labels. They do this to make themselves feel safe. Unfortunately, what those people also do is they operate purely out of guilt and shame, trying to align people to their black and white perspective, trying to actually control what other people think uh, by trying to offer black and white solutions. They want to simplify everything. Unfortunately, we cannot evolve as people if we don't explore scientifically, that means through failure, uh, and, and experientially, through our experiences, we cannot evolve and understand what is good and what is bad for us. We cannot understand how to heal. We cannot understand how to forgive, how to love, how to empathize. If we walk around with labels, basically we're operating in a box of parameters that everybody else is not necessarily going to fit in. And then we're going to guilt and shame them into fitting in that box or not fitting in that box and then ban them. And those people, my friends, have very, very few people in their life that truly trust them or truly love them. Most of them simply feel sorry for them.
you know, guilt and shame uh, uh, and, and behavior, everyone feels an emotion like anger at some point. But what we do with our anger depends partly on whether we're prone to feel guilt and shame. People who tend to, to feel guilty are better at using their guilt constructively so they make changes and solve problems when they become angry. You know, shame-prone people, on the other hand, tend to use their anger in destructive ways. And so they tear themselves down or they begin to be aggressive towards other people and project what they hate about themselves onto other people. You know, and, and then there's scales. You know, there's a – it's called GASP. That's <laughs> a good word, too. It's G-A-S-P. It's a, it's a guilt and shame proneness scale. And that's a test that psychologists devised for the use of, of experimental studies. And, and GASP assesses differences in the way you respond to doing something that you consider wrong. And it looks at your feelings about the event and the behaviors that might repair the situation. And it also assesses your feelings of shame and other negative behaviors. So if you're not sure whether you're more prone to guilt or shame, this test might give you some insight. And with that information, you'd be better equipped to work through your emotions. And it's it's so important for us to take accountability for our emotions. I find it sad that people have very low, many people, not everybody, but a lot of people have low EQs. That means they're, they're emotional quotient. That means we have our IQ and our EQ. Many people are like babies and they will express their emotions basically coming from like a baby when they cry. Uh, they cry in different ways and you have to interpret that. And that's the only emotion they know how to give you to help you understand what they're feeling. And then hopefully as they evolve, they learn other emotions like frustration and anger. And then they learn more subtle emotions, you know, but, the, you know, like happiness and, and uh, uh, feeling peaceful. You know, th- those kind of things are important for us to identify and to build an emotional vocabulary. A lot of people don't do that. And people resort to anger to communicate all kinds of stupid things. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Whatever. And they'll use that anger and and basically overstate their point to other people and scare the crap out of them. And then people don't trust them emotionally because they're ogres. And so, you know, it, it helps for us to understand that guilt and shame can help us, if we take it seriously, can help us measure those negative emotions and be more wise in our delivery. You know, actions and possessions, most often guilt is associated with those things. And so we feel guilty when we're, we, we, we've harmed someone, when we're not proud of our actions. We recognize that our actions can make others feel physically or emotionally bad. And, and in our compassion, we want to make it right. And so if you're a mature person, we might also feel guilty because we have something that others don't have. As long as our emotions aren't extreme, this is the healthy side of guilt. You know, it can prompt you to correct imbalances. Shame has only a limited link to our actions. Yes, we feel shame because we've done something that we or others think is wrong. But on a deeper level, the feeling isn't really about our actions at all. It's about who we are as a person. And uh, we may have done something wrong, but instead of thinking about our actions, we dwell on what we think it means. And we think it's proof that we're bad 
stupid, inferior, selfish person. And and as such, we do nothing with it but just sit on it and beat ourselves up and have bad dreams and do all kinds of horrible things to ourselves. You know, if you're guilt prone, you're already aware that doing something wrong might have negative consequences. When you know you might feel bad about doing something, you're likely to think twice about it, which is called wisdom, and you make a decision that you can live with if anyone finds out. <laughs> so, when you feel guilt instead of shame, you see the occasional error as separate from who you are. And so, you're still a good person. You can make amends when you do something wrong. Essentially, you can make a choice that not everybody likes. But if you've got good intentions, they have the propensity to respect you. But if you have bad intentions and you're just stubborn and mean, then people are, have a propensity not to accept you. What's really important with guilt and shame is your intentions, your intentions, period, period, period. Instead of letting it, letting it spiral out of control, it needs to have benefits to help measure how you deal with other people. If you want to have a great life, don't have a life where you're in control. Have a life where you can influence other people. That's important influence. That's about as much control as we have over other people. And the better you are as an influencer, and I'm not talking about weighing people down with guilt and shame, but weighing them down with wisdom and and lifting them with wisdom and teaching them good things and teaching them why it's important because people have to depend on other people. I know in life, I've had many situations where I could not make it out of a hole Thank for God that, you know, that having God there, that's a great thing. But but on the other end, there's people in my life that have stepped in and helped. And that is incredible. You know, guilt's easier to handle than shame because it can require thought and effort. But when you're trying to work through guilt, you know, there's some things you got to do. First of all, you have to distinguish between action and yourself. Make a clear distinction between what you did and who you are. If you feel guilty... You're likely to experience a distressing feeling of inner conflict, and that's okay. In fact, it can help you make amends and make a different choice in the future. And also, accept responsibility. When you realize that your behavior was wrong and inappropriate and you feel guilty, you need to accept responsibility for what you've done rather than attempting to hide it or push the blame onto other people. You need to be very clear that you're responsible for your actions, and then you need to make amends. And making amends, once again, is faith-based. I need you to have faith in me that I've learned my lesson. Making amends is easy. You simply apologize, make reparations, and in in the example of what you get too much change uh, from a cashier, you should just say, I'm sorry, let me return the extra change. You know, sometimes though making amends isn't easy, and you may not be able to undo the harm you caused, but you won't be able to put the experience completely in the past until you right the wrong in some way. Often, that means you may have to do that with someone else in some other situation in your life. But often people who feel guilty about something, they can't repair or find other ways to make amends. So this might involve uh, helping other people. You know, if you ignore a homeless person who is obviously in need of on your way home, you might not be able to find that person again. Instead, you may choose to volunteer at a soup kitchen or help other people in a similar position. 
You know, taking a, a problem, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that everybody stops for homeless people because that can actually be a dangerous thing. But what I am suggesting is, you know, give to places where they give back to the community and to those people. That's the safer way to go. But, you know, take a problem solving approach instead of beating yourself up or getting angry with other people. It's more productive to look for solutions. If you've done something that you consider wrong, what can you do to make it right? And if you make amends with the person you wronged, is there something else you can do for others like that? You know, and, and so wisdom, make better choices, choices. Also, the harm of shame, you know, in, for so many years, many parents intentionally shamed their children to discourage certain behavior. And so that practice has been mostly abandoned as we come to understand what shaming has a negative impact. Not that people don't do it because, boy, I know they do it. I know I've done it. You know, shame can be more troubling than guilt. It's hard for some people to separate their actions from who they are as a person. So if you're struggling with shame, you want to speak with a counselor or somebody objective who can help you work through it. You know, it, it decreases your self-esteem when you're prone to shame. You tend to think that every negative action says something about who you are. Every mistake, people want to be perfectionist. This is where it comes from. Every mistake, no matter how big or small, makes you feel less of a person. It tends to have a cumulative effect. So the more shame you experience, the worse you feel about yourself. Instead of saying, I did something wrong, you say, I'm a bad person. Well, this leads to low self-esteem, which affects every area of your life. Also, shame promotes unethical behavior. Unlike guilt, shame won't make you a better person. Instead, people who cling to shame are more likely to act poorly and hide it from other people, thinking they're unable to change, like blame their personality uh, for their bad behavior, and sometimes they blame others. So it's difficult to adopt problem-solving attitude when you're focused on hiding what you've done and mitigating the blame. You know, it, it also creates a sense of hopelessness. You know, changing what you do is easier than changing who you are. And so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about shame and how we can help ourselves through it. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Well, welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about toxic guilt and shame. And right now we're talking more about shame. But, you know, children are uh, that are subject to the shame, when they're related to someone who is behaving shamefully, when children are emotionally or physically abandoned, abused, neglected, they often take on shame that belongs to the adult who left or hurt them by assuming that it is because they themselves are the bad one. So some children behave in ways that make them culpable for the shame that belongs to their parents. And we need to be aware of that. You know, parents can experience intense shame because of the behavior of their children. You know, since an ideal, uh, uh, as a parent, it, it, it's that children will represent one's best efforts and merits. So a child who fails to achieve the desired goals or whose behavior is embarrassment reflects negatively and invokes shame response. So some parents deny any culpability of, in the misbehavior of their children in an attempt to disown their shame. Other parents accept too much responsibility and shame for the wrongdoing of a kid. So in any situation that, that devalues the self or triggers shame can also trigger our anger or even rage. And this includes situations that incite envy, disrupt comparisons, evoke a fear of abandonment, uh, create fantasies and, and about uh, 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 somebody that you may consider a rival being happy, among other things. But the anger experienced by a person who is, who is shamed is like an all-consuming poison and it occupies a great deal of conscious thought. But if a person is consumed by shame, manages to transfer shame to another person, then that person will experience this overwhelming toxic repercussions. So shame when it's taken on by a partner, a loved one, a friend, a stranger, can physically and emotionally make people ill. Thus comes the word somatic pains. You know, there are four distinct types of shame. The first subset of shame is unrequited love. Anybody who's ever loved someone and been rejected or realized their love wasn't uh, repro- uh, <laughs> I'm going to say this wrong, uh, replicated, knows how shaming and humiliating that can be. And, and this type of shame can uh, develop early in life. For example, there's something called a, a still face experiment when mothers are asked to interact with their babies by smiling and talking to them. Then after a while, they're told not to react for a couple of minutes and ignore the baby's uh, actions by just staring blankly. The baby tries smiling, pointing, shrieking to get the mother to play with them. And then eventually the stress becomes too much and they start to cry. And so the mother's lack of empathy leads to the baby to feel something like shame. And, And this can happen in real life. You know, if, if a mother is unable to mirror 
their baby's emotions because of depression or being overwhelmed by what's going on in their life. If, if that baby's experience were to be repeated, if the attachment relationship failed to develop normally and the mother consistently fell short on empathy, it would deform the baby's developing self and lead to a kind of a structural affliction like basic shame. And that, uh, my friends, is uh, is what happens in unrequited, un- meaning you're not getting the love back that you're putting forward. You know, the, the, the second type of shame is unwanted exposure. For example, if, you, if you're called out for a mistake in public, if you're humiliated by someone walking into you, you know, uh, th- this typically is what people think of when you mention shame. And then there's the disappointment expectation is the third type, which is when you set out to do something and you fail. And, and this could be at work. Uh, such as not getting that promotion you were going for. Or it could be something in your personal life, like you procrastinate, 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 and then you fail to do something properly. Or like a relationship that doesn't work out the way you hoped. Or a friendship that turns bad. That's the disappointed expectation. Now, the fourth type is exclusion. And we're talking about the types of shame. Being left out. Sometimes we just want to fit in and feel like we belong. And this happens in all walks of life, at work, friendships, romantic relationships. We place a lot of value on being liked and not feeling like an outsider. So when something threatens that, we take it pretty hard. You know, in our everyday life, we feel some member of shame in a family of emotions. And it might be a little thing, like we're a little disappointed about uh, getting a B on a test or we got a report we thought we were getting an A on, there's a little bit of shame there. Or, you know, it could be big, like if you got fired. You know, wondering whether or not we belong or whether or not we're liked or loved or whether or not we're successful, you know, I think these are our daily preoccupations. And when they all contain a risk of shame, that makes it even higher and leads to anxiety and depression. And shame can be excruciating, and it could be one reason behind why people grow up with destructive personalities traits like narcissism. But shame is also beneficial to our survival. And so, for instance, children are curious and want to explore. While this is educational, it also can be dangerous to be too interested in unfamiliar places and people. So saying no is a mild form of shame, and most parents use it a lot with their kids when they're young. So this interrupts the positive feeling of exploration that that child is feeling, but the shame doesn't last long and causes no long-term damage. So, you know, saying no is not a bad thing. It's how you say no. You know, nobody's kid is perfect, and people often develop a lot of pockets of shame where our parents let us down in really important ways. But the biggest problems with shame arise when someone's childhood is plagued by abuse, neglect, and trauma. And for those who have been severely impacted, if you if you go deep down inside too quickly, you'll stir up people's defenses against their shame. And so, you know, you have to be very slow in peeling back those defenses uh, when you approach it as a therapist. And, and so, you know, it, it's it, it's it, you're not this idealized, shame-free person if you're like a therapist who doesn't have to deal with what they have to deal with. And it's important for us to all plug in. If you're trying to be a good friend, plug in with it and understand it because you've had it in your life. Don't 
deny it. You know, it seems unbelievable that people might be able to work through longstanding emotional baggage quickly and easier. However, in some circumstances, it's possible to break free of long-term shame and anxiety and a small uh, cognitive behavioral shifts. And so, you know, if you want to deal with shame, be honest, open, upfront about unwarranted sources of shame. Let's run through an example. You know, like an ex- uh, like a, uh, a a night person. You know, they love the quiet, the stillness of night, but they used to feel somewhat embarrassed about the fact that they get up late, and so they're tempted to make excuses about why uh, they are not available in the morning. Now, if they're honest and upfront with friends and colleagues about the hours they keep. If they absolutely need to get up early for something important, they do it. But they let people know that you stay up late and you get up late. And that's an important thing to do. And when you have an atypical habit like that, there's a, there's a balance involved in not expecting other people to bend to your needs more than you bend to theirs. So, you know, you could say my preference, not my expectation, but my preference is afternoon appointments, but I can go in the morning if I have to, you know. How this helps, it feels uh, feelings follow actions. Therefore, when you act less ashamed, you also feel less ashamed. Also, other people generally appreciate you for being honest and upfront with them that you stay up late, provided you're not a, you know, a, a total ego diva or whatever you want to call it about the whole thing. Also, dealing with shame. You know, decide you're not going to allow it to get to you. Research indicates that around 50% of our relationships can be classified as ambivalent or mixed emotional relationships, meaning those relationships are a source of both positive and negative emotions, and our partners and family members often know our emotional buttons and how to push them. So think about what your family teases you over that really gets you or what your partner brings up when they're hurt and want to hurt you back. For example, if your family make critical comments about your appearance choices, your partner brings up a mistake you made years ago. You know, so we get into cycles of mutual antagonism with people we're close to. And by by deciding what you're not going to let bother you, you drop the fight, reduce the other person's ability to manipulate your emotions. So it's kind of like being a squeaky toy for a dog. If you want to be a squeaky toy, react to those things. And if you don't want to be, don't react. And that will extinguish that bullying behavior. Simply deciding not to get upset isn't going to completely solve it, but you're likely still to get somewhat upset, but less intensely. And that means other people do not control your life. You know, also, sometimes it's important to give up on a goal. You know, if you like to learn new things, challenge yourself, you probably have a laundry list of goals you'd like to achieve, such as uh, running a marathon or learning another language or getting a six-pack abs. You know, it can be demoralizing to have these goals float around in the background in your mind, but you never put the effort in to achieve them. So drop them. Give up. Likewise, you might start pursuing your goal periodically, but your effort fades after a few days, and now you've destroyed your self-esteem. So, you know, Try radical giving up of goals that would take hundreds of hours of effort, whether realistic, uh, you have the goals, the responsibility, the needs, such as relaxation, that are higher priorities. Try saying to yourself, I'm not going to pursue the goal of whatever it is now or in the near future. And you can even write a list of of your uh, goals if you're not going to work on. And how this helps? Well, you know, radical giving up stops you 
feeling like a failure due to unpursued goals. By, by giving up on goals that realistically don't warrant the time and effort you need to commit them, you can have a laser focus on goals that are currently worth the effort. And also, if you have shame, decide what you're not responsible for. So people who have anxiety are typically also prone to excess responsibility taking. And this can manifest as a feeling of responsible for helping other people avoid making bad decisions. So if you fall into that trap, which is called codependence, needing other people more than when you need yourself, you actively identify what you're not responsible for, such as you're not responsible for financial choices your parents have made, fixing your partner's depression, changing your schedule to accommodate a friend who frequently needs the change of plans at the last minute. You don't have to do that. And, and how this helps, it's useful for helping you see that you're taking excessive responsibility when otherwise you might not recognize it. So excessive responsibility can lead to behaviors like frequent nagging. By dropping this tendency, it can establish better boundaries in your relationships. Also, worrying about others can sometimes be a way of avoiding what you need to work on for yourself. And you got to give to yourself before you can give to other people. So by releasing some of your concern for others, you may become less avoidant about improving your own behavior and have more energy to do so. Also, you need to forgive yourself for your past mistakes. Look at your intentions. Even if you had bad intentions, we've all had bad intentions. Forgive yourself. You know, what did you learn from them? What, how did you respond? How do you want to respond now? What decisions do you regret? Think about the types of painful memories and regrets that tend to be triggered when you're pushing yourself to get outside of your comfort zone. Sometimes that you're alone, simply say out loud to yourself, I forgive myself for whatever. You know, use whatever compassion or self-talk feels like, uh, you know, a good balance between kindness and appropriate responsibility taking. For example, I, I forgive myself for spending money on whatever, on something that, a splurge. It wasn't a smart decision. Everyone makes a mixture of good and bad decisions, and this wasn't an ideal choice. So, so I'm going to forgive myself and move on. You know, and that's important, moving on. You know, post them on your bedroom wall if you have to, your self-forgiveness statements. And how this helps, by getting bogged down in shame and rumination, this really makes a very uh, counterproductive behavior to your life. And, uh, you know, in, in, in wrapping this up, make subtle changes to your thinking and behavior that can have a bigger accumulated impact on your life than you might expect. What you can measure and what you can change is your reactions. And that's what's important. Choosing how to respond, and what power you're going to give others in how you respond. That's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can do that at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, don't forget to pack your bags if you're going on a guilt trip. Also remember, the biggest walk of shame is from you to the refrigerator. <laughs> also, sadly, uh, stupidity is not painful. And also remember how sad that our future generations could not be here to see how we have spent their taxes. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.
That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.